This episode of the Cinema Vention Podcast is brought to you by Rotting Wonk, RozJ001, Jack Wolf, and Wearmall 3. If you want to become one of the names listed, go support the show today at patreon.com slash wscottis1. Hi, I'm W. Scott is one, and I have not seen the movie Mad Max Fury Road. Uh-oh, we found another movie Willie hasn't seen. This calls for an intervention. A Cinemavention. Don't get cute. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention Podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that I should have seen long ago. Today, we'll be discussing the movie Mad Max Fury Road, which my guest has seen before. He is the founder of the Frog Pants Network. It should come to no surprise that I'm happy to welcome Scott Johnson to cover Mad Max Fury Road. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. I'm very good. And I'm even better because I know of our subject matter today. I mean, I'm happy to hang out with you regardless, but I love this movie so much that any chance I get to to talk about it, I'm I'm all in. Oh, that's so that's so sweet. Thank you so much. And <laughs> I got to tell you, by the way, um, it's interesting for me because because I have the last name of Scott. And so people have sometimes confused me for you when, when I joined the chat because I think it's you because I because I have Scott in my name, which is a little I'll hear weird. your name. I hear you get mentioned on like DTNS or something. And it always throws me just a little bit because it feels like somebody's pl- doing a play on my name, but I know it's your name. So mm-hmm. I, f- I feel you a bit from the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Because well, yeah, my last name's your first name. So yeah. anyway, uh, as we always do, we'll go over the stats of this movie real quick before we get into festivities here. Uh, So Mad Max Fury Road is available for rent or purchase on any major internet distributor and is available to stream on HBO Max. Mad Max Fury Road was released by Roadshow Entertainment and Warner Brothers Pictures on May 14th, 2015. The movie was directed by George Miller and stars Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, Hugh Keyes Byron, and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. The movie had a budget of $154.6 to $185.1 million. And made $375.7 million in theaters. I have to assume it was opening day that you saw this movie for the first time, Scott. I did. Um, I went opening night. I went with my wife, my wife's brother and his wife. Uh, He liked it. She hated it. Kim liked it. My wife liked it. And I was floored by it. I was so utterly blown away by what I'd seen on screen. And I was already a Mad Max fan. I love post-apocalyptic stories and movies and books and comics and all that sort of stuff anyway. So it was already kind of in my wheelhouse, but um, I'll admit when I went in, I wasn't sure that George Miller who had had such a weird gap between these, these, you know, titular movies for him, you had the babe pig in the, or babe and then babe pig in the city movies. Uh, first one he directed, second one he was uh, heavily involved with and produced. And then he ended up doing the two Happy Feet movies, those two animated movies about penguins. Oh, really? Which are fine, by the way. Fine movies. Great family films. Nothing wrong with them. Sure. But I just thought, well, how is he going to come back from that to this, like, raw, just, you know, apocalyptic, nightmarish, action-filled, horrible future? How is he going to do this? 
Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't sure he could pull it off. I thought I'd walk away with kind of a middling experience. And what I did instead was walked away thinking I had just seen the most brilliant thing I'd ever seen. I loved it so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll get into a little bit later because I, I do have some questions about like what exactly um, you liked about this movie. Um, but as you mentioned, too, um, this is not the first Mad Max movie that came out. Um, you had the original Mad Max movie came out in 79, Mad Max 2 in 81. And interestingly, it was released in the United States as the Road Warrior instead of Mad Max 2, which I thought was interesting. And then Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome in 85. So quite a big gap between um, Beyond Thunderdome and Fury Road. And I was told that you didn't have to watch all the previous movies in order to watch this one. Uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, I would still recommend people check out, especially Road Warrior, as I knew it at the time, um, Mad Max 2. It's still great, still holds up. It's got some rough edges, but it's still pretty good. Um, I think the the worst of it is pro- honestly probably the original because it was, while it was such a energetic sort of indie take uh, from a very poor filmmaker just trying to get a movie done, um, so it has a special place in my heart. It's it's nowhere near the caliber of what the films would become. And I include Thunderdome in that, even though Thunderdome thematically is probably the weakest of the bunch. Mm. Uh, it's And that was the other thing. I, I'm coming off of Thunderdome as the last Mad Max film, which was, for the most part, a disappointment to fans compared to, say, Road Warrior. Road Warrior really set the bar pretty high. Oh, interesting. And so a lot of us are just like, eh, whatever. Um, but yeah, like the the jump between 85 and 2015 is a massive one and i was i just i just went into it so unsure and i think a lot of people did by the time i'd seen it though uh this is just a side note but i walked out of there going this will not only get nominated for the most oscars this year this coming uh, oscar season mm-hmm. but i really felt very strongly it would get an oscar for or oscar nomination for best picture and probably director and it did all those things um, I was I was a little shocked that I was right. Like I, I I still thought, well, this is so genre, you know how how is you know stuffy old Hollywood going to deal with this thing? And wow, it cleaned up that year. I mean, it didn't win, but it won a bunch of other ancillary awards and had the most nominations that year. And to me, that's almost as good as winning everything. So yeah, yeah, uh, I will say not unexpected. Yeah, I will yeah. say though that um my. Cause, cause here's what I will say. Not I, cause I haven't seen any of the previous movies. I, I, mm. I want, I specifically picked this one because I knew this one was your favorite movie. And, and my only one real criticism really about this movie is that there really isn't a whole lot of context provided as to, I mean, there's a little bit of context at the beginning as to why Mad Max is being detained and why he's, you know, being sought after, right? Like he's, why he's running away mm-hmm. from Immortan Joe the whole time, sure. right? Sure, sure. But there's the only real context that you're provided is that they're in a desert area and that Morton Joe's the ruler and he's the bad guy. Right. Yeah. Like there's not really context as to what Mad Max, like where he comes from, you know? Yeah. And that's a fair point, especially in the context of your original question, which I didn't really answer, which is, can I see this without seeing the rest of them? Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the answer is absolutely. But it does hinge on one little thing. And that's my favorite thing about the movie throughout, including the beginning, which is kind of a hard start. You know, it's like, a just let's just get into it. And they go running the entire time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, I think George Miller's a genius at this, but this idea of world building without explaining it to me. So 
knowing that there's off in the distance this sort of blurry, hazy image of of uh, smokestacks, uh, and that place is called Gas Town, and my brain gets to fill in the rest. Well, gas is an extremely rare qu- uh, quantity or uh, um, uh, commodity in this world, and it's it is the world's highest form of currency. If you have the gas, you have the power, and if mm-hmm. you have the water, you have the power. And all I needed to know was they're going to Gas Town. And everything else filled into my head. What is Gas Town? What that place must be like? Who runs Gas Town? Mm-hmm. How, do, how does it? How do they determine who gets what and where it goes? Same thing goes for the bullet farmer, um, who uh, played a really important part or role in the middle of the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Immortan Joe and what he controlled and did. Uh, those sorts of moments where you just get a taste. It's like, well, I'll, I'll see you shiny and chrome at the gates of Valhalla. What does that mean? Right. Well, it means that he has convinced these people that he is some sort of deity uh, or demigod, and he's got them convinced that he is the 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 maker and keeper of their destiny, and the ultimate yeah. would be to be with him at these gates, and and so they've made him into a god. They basically built a religion around this man. Yeah, and of course he's a fraud, and he's done it all just to you know just to maintain power. But all I need to know is a couple of those points, and my brain goes. And fills it in. And mm-hmm. it may not be exactly the same fill-in that you do or any other viewer would do, but it's one of the things I loved about it. It's almost like not really choose your own adventure, but they were really giving me so little in some re- regard that what I built in my head is so much cooler maybe than, than, than what they would have shown had they been super detailed about so it, it. So it's one of those things where um, it, it may have been an intentional choice so that they, so that you, the viewer are, filling these details out in your head and coming up with your yeah. own story. Right. I could be wrong. And I'm not sure he's ever spoken to that at a con or any of these events where, where he speaks about the making of the movie, but it does feel at least that's the relationship I have with the movie. And a lot of people I talk to feel that way, but this, this concept that the movie doesn't want to overtell me everything. It just wants to give me spectacle and insanity and let me work out the details. Mm-hmm. And so it works almost every scene when they go into the uh, canyons and they're beset by these guys on motorcycles and spiky cars. My brain immediately goes, I want to know more about these people. Why are they this offshoot? What's their deal? Why are the guys in the car speaking Russian or some f- dialect of Russian? Right. Why are um, uh, the, the guys on bikes? Why are they so, you know, hardcore about the deal? And then I love how they react and the, how they have to defend and attack. And those creative moments of like, Okay, we're here. What are you going to make of this? As an audience member, I my brain just kicks in and I go. And and I love it. And there's few things that do this to me. The only other one I would just say as a side note that that really inspires my brain the way Fury Road does mm-hmm. in a genre kind of way is the Netflix series Love Death and Robots. I am constantly oh. inspired by those. Because again, they're they're giving me very limited information. But enough that I can go, okay, I'm going to world build from here on out. And it may just be how my head works, but um, it must be more than me because that movie did pretty well and certainly mm-hmm. critically did really well. And I hope they can maintain it with that sequel. I'm a little, again, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You mentioned the sequel. Um, I think it's supposed to be coming out. Uh, they said 2024 is its expected release time, right? I think so. There was some talk, maybe 2023. I was hopeful for that, but my guess mm-hmm. is they'll still go with the 2024 yeah. date. They're filming now. So principal filming's going. 
Yeah. Um, there were some recently leaked pictures and stuff, but yeah, yeah. The weird part of it is this: the movie Fury Road was took place over three days. The new movie takes place over fifteen years. Oh, and that's really? weird. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So I'm not saying they can't do it, and in George Miller, I trust, but it's a, it's a big undertaking. I don't know how that's going to go. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I will say, um, if you if you like your action movies, you are definitely going to like this movie because like because there are plenty of fight scenes in this movie, lots of action that goes on, and and truth be told, I'd say there's probably only a total of maybe like 15 minutes of the whole film where there's not a major fight scene or some sort of action going on, right? Yeah, that is true. And not only that, the action you do get is extra special, like. None of it, a lot of it feels like brand new. You've never seen this before. And it's things like the, I forget what they call them, but the guys on totems, uh, the, the war boys that are on these big sticks, mm-hmm, and they're swinging mm-hmm. back and forth when they're in the middle of that fight and swooping down and cherry picking people out of cars or swooping down, dropping a bomb in the sunroofs and then pulling back. Yeah. That kind of creativity, both visually and just sort of with the cadence of the film makes it truly special and again they don't over explain those things they just say hey guess what like in old days the king would ride across town and what what would he do he'd bring an entire band with him or at the very least a, a couple of bards to sort of sing his praises as they came closer what does this movie do and morton joe's got a big giant what looks like one of those old airplane steppers mm-hmm. that you would like drive out to the to to a military base and have people get on and off on one of those but they got guys lined up on the back with big huge drums and a guy on an electric guitar with oh, a ton of old yes. speakers on the front uh-huh. and he's blowing fire out of that thing yeah no one's ever seen that before it's completely new That's like there's easily that was easily my favorite character in the whole entourage <laughs> is this guitar playing the flame shooting guy and the whole time he's rocking out this entire time except for one scene where he finally gets tired and, and it had yeah. been a couple days to be fair to them right but as yeah. soon as Mad Max co- and the wives come start coming back the other way, he's right back to uh, rocking out again. <laughs> yeah, as soon as they kicked it off, like, in fact, he was like napping there with his guitar. And then they were like, and he gets up and just starts playing it again. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. has this it, it has the effect, the obvious effect of like getting the, you know, the audience excited. It's this moment of, all right, we're going, we're going. This is his job. But there's such a weirdness about it. It's so weird and unusual to see this that my head exploded. I was just like, this is so great. I can't believe they even thought of doing that. Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's why I come to these sorts of genre films and television anyway, is to be shown things I'm not normally thinking of to break out of the tropes and show me something new. Yeah. And this thing showed me something new the entire time. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, the problem with Fury road is it's just one action scene after another. And, you're, there's no time to really get to know anybody. And I would argue that if you go in there and want everything handed to you on a plate, fine. I guess that's a fair thing. But I really think his his effort here was to say, I'm going to trust the audience to fill in some of these blanks, and I'm also going to trust them to do that with character development. Mad Max has always been a little bit of just our eyeballs in the crazy world. That's how it was with Mel Gibson when he did it. Mm-hmm. And it's how it is here with Tom Hardy. He's not the star of this. He's never been the star of these movies. And when he's gotten too much of this being the star of one of these movies, it's been problematic. Like I would argue, again, Thunderdome is a little bit weird because they spend too much time worried about Max, not enough time worried about the people around him. 
this movie gets back to what makes these great, which is this is about everyone else with him and what they're going through. And Furiosa rightly is the star of this thing. Um, her story and her arc is amazing. And she's so good in that role. Everything about that stuff was such a fresh a breath of fresh air. was such an exciting moment for me to see that they weren't going to just fall into the tropes of he just needs to survive and we'll do whatever it takes. He still kind of got that, but the important stuff was these wives and Immortan Joe and the entire, you know, uh, structure of his rule. And what was that going to, what were we going to do? Nicholas Hout's character could have been such a throwaway, but Nux is one of my favorite characters and he goes through a real transition, a real, a real transformation during this movie. Yeah. From this, just mindless, you know, war boy that's he only lives to to fight, kill, and then die at the gates of Valhalla and spray his face yeah. with freaking spray paint. Again, a totally cool idea no one's ever seen before. Yeah. He's and, almost he's almost like the, brainwashed, right? Yeah, totally. And by the end, it's the only love story in this movie. Yeah. Him right? and him and one of the wives. Yeah. And it's an it's a beautiful, sweet, simple relationship that works in the context of this is a this is an ugly world, but it's a simple one. Yeah, you know, kill or be killed. The power rests with those who have the resources, and everything else is chaos. It's simple. I, I so there's yeah. a there's a simple beauty in that relationship. I love how that. Yeah, that turned I out. was di- I was disappointed a little bit though that we never got to. You know, I mean, because because it was kind of simple in that regard. I I kind of wish we would have kind of known like what had happened um at by the end of the movie but i guess it i guess it's not really necessary though right like yeah it's not as necessary and plus um i mean that may be what this next furiosa movie is going to do it's going to explore 15 years of her story and really give us the background that we were that we didn't have i don't even know if max is in this I, i doubt it yeah like i don't think this is a mad max movie coming up this is a true spinoff and what that means yet, we don't know. Like, again, I, you know, part of me is super stoked that I don't know and I can't guess. Mm-hmm. And part of me is nervous because I just don't want him to mess up the formula um, and follow this up with a dud. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, I'll trust George Miller to do it right. But, yeah. you know, that's those are valid fears. And I also think it's val- like as much as I rave about this movie and I can't shut up about it. I un- I think it's totally valid where people say, yeah. well, we don't get a lot of background or we don't get, you know, yeah. Max doesn't really tell his story or I get it because most mm-hmm. movies give us those things and they do that almost every movie yeah. you see does that. And if it doesn't, it's considered a little artsy or art house and it's out there and you don't, you know, yeah. you're not supposed to get the typical Hollywood treatment. In this case, I, I really do think it was a collaboration between him and his ideas and us as viewers so for me anyway, and people like me, I just kicked in to overdrive. I, I helped write the movie in, in <laughs> yeah, my head. For sure. That's how yeah. it feels anyway. You know, it's a weird way yeah, to say yeah. it. That's how it feels. Here, here's what I'll say too. Cause we mentioned, uh, you mentioned um, going to gas town, right? And I, I just, I love that the town is just called gas town and you go <laughs> yeah. and get some guzzoline. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yep. love how they say that. And then you get the bullets from the bullet farm, right? Like yep. makes sense, yep. right? Like, yep. Like the names in these are so simple and I, I, I just I did love that. And also like you were mentioning with the whole like more oh, Joe controlling everything and mm-hmm. you know controlling all of the um all of the water and everything, like it's uh it, it almost kind of it, it's almost kind of a take on um on how 
you know, oil is run in, in the world today in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's run by like a few countries who control all the oil and that's pretty much it. It's like you want oil, you go talk to them. <laughs> yeah. And then and in essence it's it's it is an allegory for all of those things. Uh you know, it's about at the at the core of the movie, it's it's some simple stuff about fighting oppression and um breaking free of, of regime and and you know when things have gone too far, rebelling you know, that kind of thing. And I think that resonates with everybody, regardless of your, your predisposition in politics or anything else. Sure. There's something, there's something just naturally human about rebelling against power. especially when power is abusive and clearly his, his power is abusive. When a Morton Joe gets up there and, you know, yells to these horrible, these horribly emaciated cancerous people that are supposedly his people. Right. And he says to them, you know, don't, don't become addicted to the water. It will consume you. Um, you know, basically yeah. almost, almost turning the water into a, into the, into a sin. What, what exactly is his title by the way? Because, uh, because I, what's funny is because when you first see him, he's on, he's up on this like super high pedestal. Like he's mm-hmm. super high up. It almost kind of reminded me of the Pope. So I almost, so I basically called him the Pope <laughs> the entire time because he kind of yeah. looked like that. But is he a king, dictator, both? Like what I exactly is his title? More, more, I would say more dictator than king, but also the aspect of kings that are in history that were like, you know, King Henry VIII runs afoul of the Catholic Church. So what does King Henry VIII do? He starts his own religion. Mm-hmm. And then says everybody in in my kingdom will now adhere to that religion to the Church of England, and if they don't, uh, they'll be killed, or they'll be beheaded, or whatever the the you know various rules were. And this feels like that kind of guy who, mm-hmm. once you've got the power, that power being he he controls a couple of things. He controls um, the out you know this water source wherever that is, and we still don't know any right. We don't know anything about where that stuff came from. I mean, I have to um, presume that's why it's it's a freaking desert out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing is this thing is set in such way more desolateness, desolateness, whatever the word is, <laughs> than the previous films. Um, it's clearly we've gone much further into the world as just a husk uh, because in the previous films, there was a little bit of green here and there and there were some mountains that were not all dirt and dunes. Um, this one definitely dove straight into the the desert motif, which helped them with me because I'm a giant desert rat and I love everything deserts. So they kind of hooked me on that. My favorite planet is Tatooine in, in Star Wars. My favorite place to go on vacation or camp is in Southern Utah in, in the middle of all that red rock down there. Like, yeah, it was speaking to me on a very aesthetic level. Um, so to have this contrast of somehow up on those bluffs, he's got working water source whether he's tapping it tapping Mm -hmm. into the earth somewhere or who knows what he's doing um and he's growing plants and greenery and he can keep these wives in great health and control his output but remember this is the other thing the world's so irradiated that nobody's having proper children really yeah they either can't have kids or when they do in morton joe's case is the other thing is he really wants a proper heir to take over. Yeah. And he's having a hard time doing it. He's got two sons that are there and there's one son we never hear about in the movie. That's actually part of the video game, but it's Canon. His oh, okay. name is Scrotus. You never hear about Scrotus in the movie. The Scrotus is awesome. Hmm. Anyway, okay. it's a horrible name, but uh, <laughs> there's the two brothers, Rictus, who's the muscle, but he's stupid as a rock. And then 
you've got the other little brother or the other older brother who's a little the little guy who's uh in the chair with the the binoculars and stuff and always smacking rictus and tell him to go get dad or whatever he can't do anything physically so they've got this like whole thing where he's got all these wives and the milk mm-hmm. production all this stuff the goal yeah. there is to have the best kids possible so that he can finally get a proper heir rictus can't do it scrotus rebelled but you don't know about that and then the little guy isn't going to do anything and so there's like this there's this whole underpinning story of this is a kingdom in crisis kind of yeah and this is a tipping point for that because furiosa well she she turns and drives the other way yeah because because joe because joe is yeah because joe is obsessed with having children it seems like too and it's like yeah like you mentioned that breast milk station like they've got bottles on standby and everything like yeah they've got those women are there just to just to produce milk yeah for yeah yeah and and the and the way that they um well and, and and because she basically steps out as like a human shield and dies because of it and they're still mm-hmm. trying to like extract the baby and trying to get it out of her even after she's yep. dead like that was yep. like oh, oh geez like yeah and that guy's called the uh the flesh mechanic which basically is the only kind of doctor they have yeah um he was also in the film earlier putting what type what blood type max was tattooing it on his back and all that stuff yeah blood boy and, uh, is what they call him yeah yeah he's an amazing um actor by the way he was in a second season of fargo on fx fantastic in that mm-hmm. so just uh just a side note if you want to see more of that dude he's great yeah but all yeah. these like a lot of these australian actors you know they were they are known quantities in australia like they're big deals over there the guy that played mad max or sorry Morton joe was in the first film and played this character called Toe Cutter was also the the villain. There's mm. been a lot of theories that maybe Toe Cutter became Morton Joe, but that he 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 debunked that and said that's not the case. Oh, okay. Um, but you know that's the fun. That's the other fun thing is everybody's left to go. Ooh, theory this, theory that. Let's theory craft where yeah. they're from and why that's that way and what happened to the green place. How come it's all? Oh yeah, because you know, we never get now. to go to the green place. I never I never paused to consider that, but you're absolutely right. The fact that like. You could. There are probably so many fan theories about this movie, and this movie very much lends it to those fan theories because of certain story arcs that are just vague on purpose, almost. Yeah, and it. I mean, just imagine the Reddit threads the day after kind of stuff, which were um, were amazing. I can tell you because I was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of uh, a lot of people forget this, but in the case of the the um, the Green Place, they actually passed it. They just didn't realize that that's what it was. Cause that was the place with the weird dudes on stilts. It was at night. Oh um, yeah. Kind of swampy area. Yeah. That had yeah. all gone it all as the, as one of the old lady says, it had all gone sour and whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they, they actually traveled through it, but to, you know, to have her, her grief of like, Oh my gosh, all this work and this doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you can boil this. And I hate when people do it cause I don't think it's fair, but you can boil this movie down to the plot being they left they stopped for a while they turned around and came back i mean that's mm-hmm. the plot it pretty much is there's there's more <laughs> to it than that though but yeah. but it is kind of like that to be fair yeah it is kind of like that and i and i will cop to it but it's what happens and why that matters mm-hmm. um if people want more complexity i think they're missing the point because this is again a simple world it's a horrible yeah. world but it's simple and they just got one thing to do yeah. And sometimes that's just purely survive and, and you know, and that's always been, 
Yeah, and that's always been my criticism with some movies is that like if if the world is too complex and there's like so many things that I have to keep track of, then then it takes me out of the movie. I, I, with Star Wars, the only reason I I feel like if I had if Star Wars hadn't been so like pervasively put into pop culture already, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and I already and I didn't already know like basic elements of the story. I feel like I wouldn't have liked Star Wars as much as I did when I first watched <laughs> yeah. it, just because there's yeah. so much to keep track of, you know? No, you're not wrong. And also, I always say this about Star Wars, and it gets me in trouble, but I'll say it here. Sure. Uh, as someone who's been a lifetime, when Star Wars Episode Four, or is it, we now know it as Episode Four, when the first Star Wars movie came out, I was eight years old, seven years old. And mm-hmm. I went that day, and I was blown away, and it changed my life, and I've loved that stuff ever since. But I can now look back on all of it and say... I don't think any of that happens without the the decision because they made this decision to get away from the seventies era synthy sci fi soundtracks mm-hmm. and hire John Williams and go full sy- symphonic. Mm-hmm. That was key. The other key was the sound work. I always forget his name, but the the sound work in the movie, and to a lesser extent, the special effects. They're important and they're and they were groundbreaking at the time. But I don't think those are as important as other two things. We forget how important sound. And music can be to a film like that. Yeah. If this had a synthy, uh, you know, garbage 70s uh, sci-fi soundtrack and the sound work was just par for the course for what Hollywood was doing then, mm-hmm. nobody cares about Star Wars <laughs> at all. I it's will just say, another weird movie. I'm telling you. I, I will say, though, too. Like, yeah, I know we're ta- supposed to be talking about Bad Max. But yeah, quick side note, because we talked about this in the Star Wars episode. But we, we watched um, I, we watched it on Disney Plus. And you mm-hmm. can clearly tell in the audio which audio tracks th- were booth like um, ADR <laughs> and which ones were the actual take because yeah. because like the audio quality was just so like it, it was one of those things where like in the seventies they weren't accounting for for HD and high quality impedance audio like like we are now and so no, you can clearly they hear some yeah going to be mono speakers in some crappy old theater and they wouldn't have to worry about it. Now they have to get around that and they do a great job remastering and doing all kinds of cool stuff to get it right. But yeah, it's still pretty obvious. My main thing is just the texturing of those, that early movie Mm -hmm. is so important to how the rest of it went. And I don't think it works without it. It's Mm -hmm. to me, it's like, it doesn't, it literally doesn't work. And I feel the same way in some ways about Fury road and its decision to really adhere to the chaos and not slow down and try to be funny in a traditional way or to try to be fourth wall about mm-hmm. the time they're in, it would have ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's an adherence to that or, or a strict, a, a strict focus on here's what we're going to do. The biggest joke in the, in the whole movie is Mad Max or uh, is uh, Max seeing one of the many mothers up in the crow's nest thing, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that used to be. It was an old burned out, whatever. And she's up there screaming like she's in trouble. And he looks at her and says, that's bait. And everybody uses it for a gif and a meme. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I it guess- was the biggest joke in the thing, but it was still consistent with the time and the texture yeah. and the feel of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. She's just, she, yeah, she's just on top of this, like, mm-hmm. like fence post thing, like, butt naked, by the way, I might add, yeah. too. Yep. And, yep. and, yeah, no, and, and that's the thing, too, because that was going to be one of my questions is, like, Cause yeah, cause they cross paths with this tribe and Max just assumes that, you know, it's always a trap. Like I have to assume that's because he has to be paranoid and assume, assume that everything is a trap. 
And I assume that's a trope in the previous movies, right? Like it is in that he is very, um, he's sure everybody's up to something like he mm-hmm. doesn't trust anyone and rightly so. He's also what he's running from or to. It's been argued lots of different directions, but I really truly believe what he's running from is his own insanity. He's got, yeah, he's got a little bit left and he doesn't want to lose it. And so those yeah. visions he would have as he went, the people have died mm-hmm. because of him and his decisions, you know, they're vague about it, but the whole point of it is he doesn't want to get caught by his own insanity because as it, as it, as it stands, he's the most sane person in this world, or at least it seems so. Mm-hmm. But I would argue Furiosa is probably the most sane person in the entire world and uh, has the biggest sense or the the most correct sense of right and wrong. And she's got the most, I don't know, uh, wherewithal to to get the right thing done. Mm-hmm. And so Max, in some ways, even has this moment with her of like, oh, man, I thought I had it hard, but I don't yeah. really. Um, yeah, so well, because. Yeah, because he gets because uh, he gets that tattoo on him at the very beginning, like, it, and it's like inscribed on his back almost, right? Yeah, I have to yeah. imagine that's gotta hurt like the Dickens, but also <laughs> like it remind it reminded me sort of like I mean, <laughs> not to get too dark, but it reminded me sort of like those concentration camp like things. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sure though, I'm sure those. I'm not trying to diminish that. I'm sure the concentration not, camps were not. way worse. But it, sure. I, but it absolutely reminded me of that, you know. Yeah, and I think that's on that's intentional. They want you to feel that sense of, you know, human beings are treated like garbage for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And in his case, it's because he's O positive. He's a rare blood type, and um, yeah, is know, that why he? Uh, so is that why he was called like Blood Boy, and they were wanting his blood? Like, was that for what was that for again? Yeah, so when they captured him, the reason the reason that they wanted to keep him around is because he could be literally a, a a blood bag for uh for war boys that were running on low on steam. I mean, basically every war boy has got some form of horrible cancer. Uh, Nux has his two um his two big tumors that he always talks about and gave names to. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, like they're all in a state of that. It's all just a half life away from death. Um. Which again is a great way for Morton Joe to take advantage of his people and his army by saying, "Look, uh, you'll be saved, but only if you serve me. Only if you do." Yeah. You know, it's it's all very it's all very from the book when it comes to like tyrannical rule. Yeah. And Nux in in Nux's case, he was running real low on energy. I mean, basically the cancer is overtaking him, so mm-hmm. he's on that blood blood bag and re, uh, kind of recharging. But then. They find out that Furiosa has made a turn and they're telling everybody, whoa, we're going, we're going at it. And that guy, the, the rival war boy is like, I'm going to go do it. And he went and grabbed the wheel and that's Nux's wheel. Yeah. Oh, fun side note. I just want to share this because I'll forget if I don't tell you. Sure, sure. Go ahead. Um, you know, they all, they walk into the room with all the steering wheels all, you know, laying around there. I got to grab theirs and get out there and get fighting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh huh. So when they go to get their wheels, they're all doing this. And they do this in front of a Morton Joe as well. They put their fingers through each other and they put their heads down like kind of a prayer sort of. Okay. Uh, he, um, George Miller says it's subtle. So you may not think of it right away, but this represents a V8 engine. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so it's not just like the standard, like normally you'd do like this, right? You'd knuckle right, down, but right. they put their fingers out. It represents, you know, the, the, oh, the engine of so, a car. Yeah. So like the engines that they're using for battle almost. Right. Yeah. Cause these okay. are, cause these are holy, these are holy wreck, you know, 
uh, what do they call it in the in the game? They get way more into this. The the video game's excellent, by the way. The 2015 Mad Max game, mm, okay, big open world game. But they get way into yeah. like car worship and we we why. might have to uh, we might have to add that because people were um the Ghostbusters also has a really good uh, uh game as well. We might have to do like mm-hmm. a separate side like <laughs> series just playing the yeah video like a game little bonus versions. episode or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh huh. Because that stuff's fascinating to me because now. Other art forms are able to like fill in some gaps, add some story in a way that we didn't have before. So it's kind of yeah. like a way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you mentioned Nux too, like um, and it's it, it puts this clip into even more like <laughs> fucked up contest top context yeah. for me, where he yeah. um where he gets thrown onto um Mad Max's vehicle by a Morton Joe, and immediately gets like chained on it and like falls off of it, and Joe just yeah. responds, he's just like mediocre <laughs> yeah yeah mediocre it's great because nux thinks he's he's done it he thinks he's done the saving move mm-hmm. he has the favor of the lord basically right, right and he's gonna ride with him shiny and chrome to valhalla which is their idea of heaven mm-hmm. which clearly they've you know ripped from ancient texts and you know yeah it's i'm not i whatever. mean i'm gonna say it they ripped it off of the bible complete plagiarism yeah Yeah, absolutely which is you know makes sense in a future that's all burned out they're just going to take whatever scary stories they can get and go for it but Uh but they uh the the idea is that he's he's done he's sealed up and ready to rock and then the fact that he fell off of there is this moment of like oh wait he'll just dump me like that like up till now i thought i was his i was going to be the one that made this work for the great immortan joe and he's just gonna discard me that quickly so he's at one time depressed like he goes through all these all of these um stages of remorse just like if you really admired somebody let's say you admired somebody in sports Mm -hmm, and you go mm -hmm. to the games you go to every game and then one time they're walking past you a chance to get a signature or a photo together Mm -hmm, or something mm -hmm. and you say hey michael jordan can i get a picture and he goes f you douchebag and pushes you to the side Mm-hmm. it's like that and it's really effective like i really felt for him yeah and knew that that was this point of return yeah. or of, of no return where he was going to have to make a, a decision it was the technical about. equivalent of we were homies <laughs> yeah yeah like, kind of also like because yeah. that's the thing that because that seems to be the theme too because when they do defeat joe and they get back to they get back to the uh the area there like yeah. everyone it, like at first there's some tension right because they're trying to figure out like they're still trying to defend Joe's actions at this point. Right. Yeah. But then when he shows up with, with, I think is, if I'm not mistaken, his severed head, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember yeah. that correctly, yeah. everyone's mm-hmm. everyone celebrates at, at that point because yeah, no, everybody just did not like it. But of course they were too scared to fight back, you know? Yeah. They all, they all knew. I think they always know, which is always, it's almost always true. Like tyrants aren't loved. They're mm-hmm. feared. And once you have the fear that may, that's as good as love, I guess, to some tyrants, but um, because it gets the same job done, but it's just a matter for somebody rises up. I mean, basically this is bugs life. This is, you know, a hundred other movies where the, 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 the ants have to fight the grasshoppers mm-hmm. and they finally get the strength to do it and realize they can do it. And, and in, in some ways that's very simple. And, and I think I like that because it gets out of its own way and says, all right, well, here's our simple premise. Now it's time to do some some of the craziest stunts you've ever seen in film. Yeah. And it's how we get there that's going to matter and that's where that movie shines. Yeah, and 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 specifically to that point, uh 
Ferosa you mentioned earlier. Um, from what I can gather, it sounds like she, I mean, she definitely works for a modern Joe and I, and I suppose they all do to a certain extent. Right. But it sounds like that she yeah. has like a higher, you know, higher role in the, you know, for lack of a better term kingdom. Right. Correct. And yeah. she's, a, she's a technically an imperator, which I, I don't know how closely they're following like Greek or Roman uh, rank or anything, mm-hmm. but cause they don't really get into it, but she is, she is a prized imperator, which means she's up in the ranks. She's trusted to take the war rig a place. Cause that war rig is like a holy vehicle. They don't just let anyone take it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the fact that she stole that basically. Yeah. I mean, she goes rogue. Yeah. 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 I, I, and I and guess all I, those, and the, all his wives are in that thing. I mean, she is, she, she yeah. seriously did the greatest, the biggest move of treason possible in this yeah. world. There's just no, no getting worse. Than yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, no. And, and I guess that works out in Max's favor because yeah, cause they're definitely super hesitant to work with, with him at first. Cause they know like he's the enemy. Right. But right. yeah, but it's, but it, it, it works perfectly together like that. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I gotta, I gotta mention this too about like, I know there's not much out there to eat, but I'm just, I, I'm not the type of person I cannot eat bugs. Like, and, and anytime I, so every, anytime I see someone eat them, I wince. Like yeah. I, I, I can tell you, I would not be a good survivor contestant. I can promise you that. <laughs> oh, I guarantee. Yeah. That's when I'd check out um, the minute they had that or any kind of bull testicles or any of that crap. There's no way I could do it. But uh, I assume you're referring to that scene where Nux eats the spider that's crawling around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. For them, that'd be normal. It's like, Hey, a little treat. I oh found. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Which really sets <laughs> sets the bar for what that you know what Nux is capable of doing. But I uh, yeah I'm I'm with you. I don't want to eat bugs. Forget it. Yeah, it's the yeah. last thing I want to eat. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so here's here's what we'll here's what we'll end with. So I, obviously, of course, you have you you have done a very good job of explaining like your favorite aspects of this movie and you know what is like like what your favorite parts about this. But overall, sure. um. Because for once and for all, I want to get a sort of like a a basic summary of why this is your favorite movie of all time. Because I, I have, I have heard you mention this a lot of times and I'm sure a lot of listeners to my show and various other shows that you've been a part of that this is your favorite movie of all time, but, but nobody really knows why, because you never got a chance, you never get a chance to fully explain it. So Right here, right now, like basic s- summarization. What makes this your favorite movie of all time for you personally? Well, I love this question because no, you know what? Nobody's actually asked me why. They only ask. They only just go, "Oh, really? Okay." And they don't. They don't really want to get to the, the the business of why as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was a time where I argued with myself early on in 2015. I remember seeing it and going, and I ended up seeing it three more times in theaters. I see it at least once a month. I love that. I mean, that's the state I'm in is how much I love that movie. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's all talk. I really feel that way about it. But at one point I was like, is this just my favorite action movie of all time? And that's 100% true and will probably never change. Sure. Um, Is it my favorite movie of all time at the moment? Yes. Could that change? It could, it could be this next one he's working on. It could be something Mm -hmm. else. I don't know. But you know, my list is things like, um, a weird movie no one's ever heard of called Avalon from the early nineties. Um, mm. I love empire strikes back. It's my favorite of all the star Wars movies. Ooh. Like I've got a bunch of movies on my list of favorite films, 
you know, Goodfellas we, we is might in have there. To, like we might have to get you back on for Empire Strikes Back when we get to that oh, one. I love Empire Strikes Back so much. Gosh dang it. Yeah. I mean, I know it's kind of common now. Everyone loves that movie, and I hated it as a kid. But I Sure, sure. Turned around on me so hard. But um, to answer your question, the reason it is, I think, is because I can if, – if a movie is – is rewatchable without me wanting to skip anything. Yeah. I, I consider that a perfect film for me. I'm mean, obviously I can't speak for everybody. Sure. Sure. And this is a movie I can watch without fail from top to bottom. The chroma di- or the black and or uh, sh- what's the, what's the version called the black and white version, which is, I forget what it's called chrome edition or something. Okay. Black and chrome. Anyway. Uh, I can watch that version. I can watch the full color version. Um, I can watch with or without commentary. Um, I always buy the highest resolution one the minute there's a new remaster out. So I've got the Blu-ray 4K. I've got the streaming, you know, the digital version, which I watch most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's a big part of it. If I can watch it that often and not ever be tired of it, that's that's number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, it has a Star Wars, a shared Star Wars thing we were talking about before, which is music. I think the, uh, the Junkie XL soundtrack that's the name of the guy who did the soundtrack Mm -hmm. is unbelievably good and perfect for the film um it's it's just the right everything for that movie and it would have been less of a film without it it's and how i feel about star wars and john williams that's how i feel about junkie xl and this movie so that's another aspect of it if i had to say the biggest reason though a, a sort of across the board it is that I think that movie is fearless in its goals and achieves every one of them. And even more so having uh, read part of I haven't finished it yet, but that book that just came out that talked about, I think it's called Fury, Fury on the set or something. Anyway, yeah. it basically just talks about the making of the film. They constantly were raising the budget. They ran into a bunch of production delays. They had storms and sandstorms and crazy typhoons that delayed everything constantly and cost them tons of money. Um, Tom Hardy was apparently a real pain in the butt on, on set and would come late, like two hours late to, to shoots and stuff and has copped to that sense and is like apologetic and everything about it. Uh, to George Miller, he just didn't really realize I, what he was in. I'm, quick Google search. I think it's blood, sweat, and chrome. There it is, blood, sweat, and chrome. There it is. Yep. Okay. Yep. I have the digital version. I can never remember the name of the book, but um, highly recommend it so far. It's it's super interesting. But to know how much term turmoil there was, and how the thing almost got canceled a couple times, and how it barely got made, and then the end result be this visceral, this well put together in every way. Mm-hmm. And and to include so many practical effects at a time where we're just yeah. used to digital all the time. Yeah, um, that was another thing I was going to mention too. Yeah, that arm that that arm was really the only digital effect in that entire movie. Everything else was pretty much like practical effects. Like she wore a green yeah, piece much. on her There's hand. A, yeah, and that was pretty sure. much it. Yeah, sure. And they had a couple of like um, uh, what's the oh when they go into the big storm, the sandstorm. Yeah, the sandstorm. There's a bunch yeah. of that that's digitized, but the car stuff. If you watch the how they did it, even some of the cheap like handheld camera, like someone's just taped videoing with their phone in 2014 when they were filming it, stuff is amazing and and practical as all get out. And I still can't believe how they pulled it off. It's an expensive film for those mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's just all that put together that that puts me in this place of calling it my favorite movie. And you know what? Honestly, you know, I'm a old dude now. I don't. 
you know, I watched, I was 15 when like Back to the Future came out. I was an 80s yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen everything a million times. You'd think it, at my age, I would go, well, nothing from 2015 is going to take the top spot. Sure. Yeah. Sure enough, it did. It took it, it swiped it away, yeah. away from uh, Empire or whatever it was there before. Because that did certainly surprise me too. The fact that like, yeah, a film from 2015, film that came out seven years ago. Um, yeah is your t- favorite movie of all time of all cinema yeah. period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Now, if somebody said to me, Scott, wait, you know, what about Goodfellas? What about, uh, you know, the class, some other classic that's just sure. impossible not to love or whatever. Almost all Scorsese movies I love, but you know, if you said, well, what's your favorite mob movie? Well, I wouldn't say it's Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, sometimes it depends on context, but mm-hmm. pound for pound, if you're saying, well, what do I want to re- rewatch tonight? Like right now, get some popcorn, sit down and watch it. Especially after talking to you right now, it's just Mad Max again. Mm-hmm. I just want to keep watching Fury Road till my eyes bleed. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it speaks to me. Like some people hate it because it's so dark or not dark, but just like so, you know, the future's garbage and everything's terrible and, you know, how can you enjoy that? I don't know. I don't have yeah. a good answer for it. Well, I but, but, it. but that's what's, but that's what's so cool about this show is that like, and, and that's what I love, love so much about, about these conversations is that, yeah, like whether, why you like a movie, like it's all subjective to, to any particular right. person. Right. And that's, what's right. so cool about this show is that I get to bring people on and they get to tell their experience about this movie because yeah like you said everyone has a different experience when it comes to seeing any number of movies and so like yeah what you like it and what you thought was interesting about this movie is going to be completely different from what i like and and that's just i yeah no it's super valuable it's why i love doing it's definitely this show. on a list of movies that i i want people to see like my kids i, I introduce them to the movies i think matter or have something to say mm-hmm. and things like shawshank redemption and yeah. Uh, to some, you know, to some degree, well, I can't think of any others on top of my head, but you know, that kind of stuff's important to see. Yeah. And it is required viewing as far as I'm concerned. And this mm-hmm. is in there for different reasons. Yeah. You know, and I always talk, people laugh at me too, because I really like Waterworld and I know it's a bad movie. That's like a, <laughs> that's a kind of a piece of crap, but I don't care because part of me just loves the setting and will watch anything in that setting. So it's like not a problem. Yeah. Um, for me. So, so some people say, was well, it like that with Mad Max? I'm like, no, it's, it's a cut above that. Like it's, yeah, it's different than that. I try to watch Waterworld once a year. I'll watch, watch Mad Max every month. Yeah. Unless I have a bad month. Yeah. We still, we still have to get to Shawshank Redemption. I have yet to watch that movie, but yeah, no, oh, but, but, so but good. yeah, but this is, but this is absolutely why I'm on the, like, this is why some invention exists. So I can, because I very much was like, there are so many movies that are, like you said, required to be watched and i just haven't gotten a chance to watch them yet and yeah no this is this is awesome yeah so i i i enjoy this conversation with you and so just i'm just gonna take a wild shot in the dark here just a just a pure guess that you're gonna give this movie a a billion thumbs up (laughs) just a guess just a guess well, what's your maximum? What's your maximum score? Is it ten? Uh, so it yeah, so five? we do we do. Uh, Amos said it on episode one. It's thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, it is thumbs up as far as my thumb could go up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, two uh, thumbs so that, up I mean, perhaps. Probably, <laughs> probably obvious uh, at this stage of the conversation, but yes, it sure. would be a mighty thumbs up um, as high as high as my arm will reach, and mm-hmm. then some if I can manage it. So yes, I love Absolutely. this movie. 
I want other people to experience it. Um, even if they don't walk away with the same mind blowing mm-hmm. life altering experience I had, uh, because at the very least it's a lesson in how to paint, paint on screen. Like this is more of a painting of a story than a telling of a story. Yeah. And, and in some ways, and I, I just admire that so much. So yeah, I, I hope people listening, if you've been putting it off, I can't believe it's been seven years. That's insane. Yeah. Um, feels like yesterday. <laughs> it really but, uh, does. If you've been putting off this movie because you were just like, ah, whatever, I'm not into it. I, I, I urge you to get your hands on it. It got yeah. 10 nominations or whatever for a reason. It's, it's an amazing film. Absolutely. And I will say, uh, for, and I'll give my rating here. Um, I will say I am going to give it a thumbs up. Now, is it, is it my favorite movie per se? Not really, but that's, but that's just me. But I totally didn't. But I did enjoy the action. I did enjoy the story arc. Of course, there's some things that I like. I mentioned there are some things that are a little missing in terms of the context of the story. But other than that, I I enjoyed this movie for what it was. I I enjoyed it, and it was definitely thrilling from start to finish. So thumbs up from me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So two thumbs. Absolutely. So, well, uh, Scott, thank you so much for, uh, this was such a fun conversation. Thanks again for, uh, for being here. Uh, if the good folks want to know where they can find your work, tell them where they can find it. Well, the best place to find all the shows I do, uh, heavy emphasis on things like film. We have a show called film sack. I have a show called core, which talks about video games in the industry. Um, pretty much any sort of nerddom we've got it covered over at frogpants.com. So just go over there, check it out. All the podcasts are listed. You might find something that you like. And uh, if you're trying to track me down in public, you can find me over on Twitter. I'm at Scott Johnson. Right on. And yeah, film sack. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it's probably the perfect companion show to cinema invention. So go, go check out film sack. If you want to hear more about film discussions. And yeah, we've been at that thing for Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. 2009, we started it. And wow. um, still going strong, still having a blast. Um, we're doing the Transporter 2 this weekend. So Ooh, pray okay. for us, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> but we fun. Really, we really have a good time on there. And it's uh, it would probably be a good, if you like what we're doing here, what you what you just listened to, my guess is you'll probably really like Film Sack. Yeah, so check absolutely. Out. Without a doubt. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Frogpants.com slash Film Sack for that course if you want if you're one of those people that now wants to watch the movie i do a watch party for each of the movies that we review on this show if you want to watch the movie live with myself and fellow listeners you can do so by joining the conversation in our discord that's at discord.cinemavention.com but if you can't make it to the party if if you missed out on the mad max fury road watch party and you want and you still want to watch it with us we have it available on demand exclusively, all of our commentary, MST3K style, over at patreon.com slash is one Thank you so much to everybody who supports this show and keeps it going. Don't forget that I'm live twice a week playing games to the community over at twitch.tv slash is one Send in your feedback. Like I mentioned, everyone has a different take on this movie, so email your thoughts in. Email at cinemavention.com. And to see all the previous movies we've covered on this show, cinemavention.com is the website to go to. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the music that we've used today. You can check his work out at incompetech.com. 
And folks, we'll be back next week to discuss the movie Office Space with Preston Monroe. That is going to be such a fun movie. I can't wait to talk about that movie with him. I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Such a great movie. But that that is our movie next week. Until then, we'll see you next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) 